Hello and welcome to episode 90 of the Conversations with Ross podcast. I'm Ross Carey. Thanks for listening. I'd to be joined right now by Gildart Jackson. Gildart is an actor who's currently hosting Who Done It Sunday nights at 9 o'clock on ABC. Gildart, thanks so much for taking the time to join the podcast today. You're welcome, Ross. Thank you for having me. Well, let's start at the beginning. Tell me what initially attracted you to acting and to show business in the first place. Well, I think I was always attracted to acting. Um, but I was a little trepidatious of doing it. When I was in England, I, uh, I think I probably pursued a career that was expected of me. I became a lawyer, a barrister in England, and then I came to America. And I worked in America for quite a while as a, as a lawyer, in, and as an entertainment lawyer in, in uh, Beverly Hills. Um, and then one day I was offered a partnership in the, in the firm. And I realized that if I said yes, uh, that, would be, that would be my life, and I would never do what I secretly hoped to do, which was act. And so I quit the law and uh, started acting. And um, here I am now. I imagine that was difficult because, well, for a variety of reasons, but so many yeah. of the actors who come on talk about moving to L.A. or to New York with nothing. You know, they're making no money. They have terrible jobs to try yeah. and support themselves. You were making good money as an entertainment lawyer, I imagine. I was, yeah. To give that up to pursue acting from scratch must have been a, a shock. Well, it was. Luckily, luckily, I had been able to save some. And, you know, it was, it was it's not that easy to be an actor from that respect. But um, from the perspective of being happy, it's a lot easier. I wasn't unhappy, really, as a lawyer. And uh, so I'm, I'm very glad that I made the switch. So did you have any training in England or at all before you quit your job? No, I mean I had uh, I had I had started taking acting night classes um, when I wasn't working as a lawyer, um, just to sort of check that I was really interested, and uh, I was, and um, so you know, luckily, luckily I you know I knew, and I also wrote, I, and I still write, and you know, so I could find ways to occupy myself. Um, and, you know, luckily, I haven't had to go back to the law. Obviously, being an entertainment lawyer, you had interactions with actors before you started acting yourself. Do you feel like that was advantageous to you? It was, well, I, I was a, I, got, I specialized in entertainment law in the, in the music world, so I didn't really have a lot of interaction with, with actors. I predominantly dealt with musicians and rock stars and and those kind of guys. Um, but it was, it was, I mean, it was advantageous to understand a little bit about law when I started acting. Not really. Not really. I mean, you know, when you start acting, you're going to take anything you can get. And now, uh, you know, I have a lawyer to do that stuff for me. Tell me about the perspective of, you know, so many people start when they're 18, 19. They're out there yeah. when they're that young. You weren't a teenager when you were trying to break in. How was that uh, different? Well, I I think it's probably difficult at any age um, to to start. Um, I think that you're a little bit maybe 
the, the, the difficulty is uh, when you are older, your competition has more, uh, has done more. And so they're, they're known. And when you're younger, there are a lot, they're, they're looking for the young, the young guy to be, you know, new. Um, as soon as you sort of hit 30, and I didn't even start till I was quite a ways over 30, um, you, you're up against guys who've, who've been stars and, uh, or, or at least have great credits. So that was, that makes it difficult, but I don't think it's really realistically very much more difficult than anybody trying at any stage. What were some of the early obstacles that you encountered that you didn't necessarily anticipate when you decided to pursue acting as a career? Um, I think the biggest obstacle is uh, is not working, which is a uh, it, it's it's you know I I am a bit of a workaholic. I love to work. I enjoy work, and I would like to be working all the time. And so the big obstacle is when you're not working, uh, what to do. And as an actor. It's pretty difficult to act alone. It's like being a soccer player or something. You need 21 other people to do it with. Um, as an actor, if you're not in a play or doing something, you can go to class and do that. But the, the thrill of it really is when you're interacting with a bunch of people. So it was it was difficult to deal with just not having opportunities and it continues to be you know when you when you when you're not working like uh, it's 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 tough you have to find another way to occupy yourself how do you how do you occupy yourself when you're not working well in for a long time i i wrote and that was uh good good because it gave me something to be doing um Recently, in the last couple of years, I've I continue to write, but I also have um, I've found audio book narration, which I do, and I have been lucky enough with it to to be able to sort of consistently find work, so that if I want to, certainly at the moment, I seem to be able to have a book generally on the go. Um, and I can I have a home studio and I can do that from home. So uh, today, for example, I you know have been recording a book for the last couple of hours and I do a couple of hours, two or three hours a day, and it, uh, it, it feels good to you know be doing something like that. Let's talk about who done it. Tell me about the show and how this gig came to be for you. Well, uh, who done it is a murder mystery reality competition and um, 13 guests were picked by a very evil guest, one of them in fact, to come to a fantastic country house and play a game. They didn't know what the game was going to be and they subsequently discovered it was a, a game of life and death, specifically theirs. Uh, I, and it's great fun, and I think we're on the fourth week now, every week, one of the contestants sadly gets killed, and then uh, the other contestants have to investigate the murder. They're all either professional or amateur sleuths. Some of them are 
cops, bounty hunters, private investigators, and they have to identify how the murder was committed. If they manage to do that correctly, um, then they will survive. If they fail, and they are one of you know the worst to fail, uh, they sadly will get killed by the killer. Um, and I uh, was hired by the killer to be the butler of the establishment in the country, and um, I therefore play a butler who puts the contestants through their paces, who basically am the mouthpiece for the killer, and I am, I suppose, the de facto host of the show. Did this part come to be for you through a standard audition, or because it was reality, was it a different process? It, it, I don't think it necessarily because it was reality, it was a different process, but it was different because I had been cast several times by a casting director who I think is completely wonderful. Her name is Sandy Logan. And she had cast me in uh, Boomtown and uh, Vegas, I think, and Judging Amy. Um, and she is now was now the the uh, casting director at ABC, and when the script for Who Done It fell onto her desk, she immediately said, "I know who you should hire for this," and she had me in, and she uh, presented my tape to the the powers that be, and they uh, they they hired me. Um, so it was very little kerfuffle. I didn't have to do the normal hoops you normally do have to go through. Were you hesitant to jump into the waters of reality TV? I, I no, I wasn't. I, I, I like, I like the part, and I consider it definitely a part. I mean, I think I'm playing a character, um, and as such, I think of it as, a, as an acting role. And um, I think if I had just had to be a well, I, I, if I had to be a sort of naked host being gilded, I think that would be slightly more difficult. Although I have done that, not on a reality television show, but on documentaries. Um, I, I just really was intrigued when I heard the idea. I thought to myself, well, why hasn't anybody else done that before? It's a great idea. And then, uh, you know, I met Anthony Zyker, who's the creative mind behind it, who he also did... CSI, the whole CSI franchise. Um, he's a wonderfully uh, enthusiastic and inspiring chap, and I wanted to do it from the moment I met him and, you know, met about the show. Switching off of Whodunit, tell me about the film you made with your wife, you. I made a film with my wife. My wife is Melora Hardin, and she uh, played Jan on The Office. And we decided one day um, to make a movie. Now, I had been in, in um, Vancouver shooting um, a TV show, and it was just after we'd had our first daughter, our first child. And um, I was really missing my new family, and I had three days off, and I sat down and started to write something. And in three days out came this 
script. I didn't really know even what it was going to be when I started writing, but it ended up being a script. And it was about what what would it be like to lose the person, your soulmate, the person that you've decided to spend the rest of your life with. Uh, and that may be slightly a morbid thought to some, but I think I was just in that lovely bubble of, of loving uh, my family so much that I just had this terrible thought, what, what would it be like? Um, and out of that came this script, and when I gave it to Melora, she read it and said, let's make it. And she directed the movie, and she likes to think of the script that I wrote as a love letter to her, and I like to think of the movie that she made as a love letter back to me. The initial draft took three days to write. How much did the script change since then? From a production standpoint, it changed very little. We, she had a few notes, um, sort of di- dialogue notes. Um, it's a, it's a very, it's, it sort of goes all over the place. It's a non-linear, chronologically linear film. Um, so we shot what uh, predominant, I mean, really, 95% of what I wrote in the editing room. Um, things definitely changed and got uh, cut down and some things got rearranged. Um, But um, the script is, and the way it came out was really very much what what ended up being the movie, I think. How long was the time frame between those three days where you wrote the script to you finishing the movie? About, yeah, about nine months. That's amazingly fast to get everything together within a year. Was this very much just production between you and your wife? Did you raise all the money yourself? Was it self-financed? How did it work? It, it was it was predominantly self-financed, and we had a very small budget. Uh, we decided we decided you know we thought about should we go out and try to raise money, and we decided that we just really wanted to do it, and we wanted to do it on our own terms, which is we wanted to make that movie, and we also wanted to do it with our we both had this sort of fantasy of what would it be like to make a film with your friends, with our family? And um, you know the work of John Cassavetes. is he, he made a lot of movies with basically that and almost like a sort of collegiate um, uh, atmosphere of people mucking in and helping. And uh, so we, we definitely set up our movie to be made that way. My parents-in-law are both actors. I mean, fortunately, we we know we know a lot of very good actors, and so um, my parents-in-law are both actors, and my father-in-law is you know was in the firm and the Milagro Beanfield War, and you know a great many wonderful movies, Reds, and he played Melora's dad in the movie, and uh, her mom is a was an actor and became an acting teacher for River Phoenix and uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, a whole bunch of really wonderfully talented actors. And our kids were in it as little children. And then Alison Mack from Smallville is a friend of ours and Brenda Strong is in it. And so, you know, we cobbled together a bunch of talented people. And then we had our friends make, you know, our friends who know how to cook make lunches and bring them to the set. We shot a lot of the movie in our house, and uh, it was really a 
it was a labor of love and it was a great deal of fun to do it and we just that's the way we wanted it to be Kidor, let's mix it up a little bit tell me about your worst audition experience <laughs> i uh i do i just i just had a pretty bad one <laughs> um, it's good i like when they're recent <laughs> i just had one where the the casting director chose for some reason to to uh to call the people who had come in um uh, not basically when you arrive at an audition you sign in and generally they call you one after the other but for some reason this casting director chose to call people dependent upon who she first saw when she walked out of the door her door and so there were a bunch of, you know, actors sitting there who you've probably seen around on TV shows. And I just happened to sit at the back of the room and with a couple of other actors who were getting more and more upset because she wouldn't call them in an order. So I ended up going in, I think, two from the end. And having been waiting there a long time, and I, I was pretty hot under the collar when I walked in, and she said to me, uh, oh, I, you were supposed to be here an hour ago. Um, I've already uh, written you up as a no-show. Oh, my God. So I, uh, I explained to her what had happened in as even-tempered uh, a way as I possibly could. But then I... Uh, my part was that I was reading for was I was supposed to be a sort of um, pleasant, ineffectual gentleman. And the way I read it, I was a, a pleasant, ineffectual gentleman hiding that he really is a murderer <laughs> or has a <laughs> secret amount of malice for uh, the individual to whom he's talking. And so I, you know, I clearly... Uh, it didn't really work out. The ineffectual, pleasant chap was overshadowed by the the chap wanting blood. Do you feel like you've changed the way you audition from when you first started? Have you changed the way you audition to now? Yeah, I don't. I still don't think I'm that good at auditioning. I don't like the process of auditioning at all. I um, I get nervous and I care too much. Um, and the reality is that. You know, certain people are right for a part, um, and frequently one isn't right for the part. I mean, you might be right for the part in your own mind, but not in the mind of the person who's making the thing. So I, you just, I just had to, you know, become, become accepting of that. Would you change anything about your career, looking at it in hindsight? Well, I don't know. I mean, I, I, it's a pretty fruitless uh endeavor. I, 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 I might say that I wish I'd started when I was younger, but there again, I wouldn't have had the experience that I have had and I wouldn't be in the same place. I mean, I'm an incredibly lucky and happy individual. I have the most wonderful family and I have the most wonderful um, opportunities. So I think I wouldn't change anything. Is being a working actor what you expected it to be? Um... Yeah, it is. I I wish I I still wish I worked more. Um but I still I still very very much enjoy when I do and uh, making a show like Who Done It was was tremendous fun. 
I, I love the life. I mean, you know, I went off and made a documentary in Peru, deep in the Andes. Um, a couple of years back, I've, you know, the television shows come up. I just did an episode of Burn Notice. Um, and uh, I love I love that. It's very exciting. I mean, I, I, it's a nomadic life. It's a, it's a life that um, you don't know where you're going to one week from another. And I, I like that. That that makes that that I, you know I think I'm probably a pretty stable chap, and uh, so it's fun having this uh, nomadic lifestyle. You've been listening to Gildart Jackson. Gildart is an actor who's currently hosting Who Done It Sunday nights at nine on ABC. Gildart, thanks so much for taking the time to join the podcast today. Thank you all very much indeed.